Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And I'm Holland Farkas. Today we'll be talking about episode three of season two, School Hard, with our very special guest, Ilea from Nerdy But Flirty. Hi guys. <laughs> hey. That was a stellar introduction. Yeah, was... I know. I'm so great, right? Yeah, totally. this is selling it. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be discussing School Hard. We're going to be talking about everything, the themes of it, the metaphors, the poetry. Now we're mainly going to talk about Spike. Let's head to the library. <laughs> All right, man, I am so excited we can finally talk about Spike. I know, it's, yeah. Spike's the best. He really is. <laughs> actually my favorite character, like. Of everything? Yeah, like even more than, I know, it's like so, I don't know, I just really like Spike. I would say he's in my top three. My top one, we can't name yet, because he or she has not come into the show yet. Good. Sure, good, number good. Two, number two, I'm giving it to Giles, but number three, I'm giving it to Spike. I would have thought Hollins would have been the mouse from Dumbo. The what? little, you can fly! That that would have been her favorite oh, Buffy favorite character. Char- oh, like, no, just oh, character. Oh, yeah, just character. Sorry, okay. Sorry. Really? In Buffy, Spike is my favorite character. To clarify, oh. he's not my favorite character ever. Well, before we get too much into how much Holland <laughs> loves the mouse from Dumbo, um, Ailee, <laughs> uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Ilea, the Green Eye Trombonist. I'm a writer for Nerdy But Flirty and do a bunch of other random things on the YouTubes and Twitch channels and all that fun stuff. Cool. Awesome. Did Sarah create Nerdy But Flirty? She did, yeah. She yeah. Did, right? Sarah's going to be on this going to be on this season. Yes. <laughs> um, is that Sarah the Rebel? Yeah. Yes, Sarah's the best. Yeah. We love Sarah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Eileen uh, and I, I think that our, one of our first conversations, maybe even our first, was about Buffy, right? Oh, I'm sure it had to. Have I was been. over at your house and like I was, I had a present for you because it's your birthday. Yeah. Right. You gave me the Buffy the Vampire Slayer quiz book. That's Ooh, what it was. Which I still have. Yeah. It's a good way. book. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be a quiz at the end. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to host one. I wouldn't be able to. Mm. Uh, who does the intro monologue for this episode? Answer's Giles. Does well, he? Yeah. The, the answer is probably Anthony Stewart Head. Oh, you think it's not... Whoa. <laughs> you don't think Giles is doing it? Maybe not. I that mean, would the actor is... Giles probably. would have to acknowledge that it's a TV show yeah. that he lives in. Yeah. Man. Just saying. So we're no, just I think that that's him right kind now. of reciting... That's, like that's, while he's shaving? Like, yeah. <laughs> when Giles in the morning shaving, he's like, In every generation, he's the chosen one. <laughs> And she and I was like, what are you doing in there? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but before we jump into uh, Giles' hygienic routine, man, you are just always on Giles' like, how he gets ready, how he's dressed. Mm. It's good. Keep Giles is human it. too. <laughs> but before we get into that, maybe you had to take extra time today shaving. Maybe, you know, you were memorizing a monologue of your own. You get a chance to actually watch the episode. That's fine because we've got your back. Chris Vermonte is going to give you a little bit of a cram session. He's going to summarize the entire episode in five mostly run-on sentences. <laughs> okay. So, take it away, Chris. Due to juvenile delinquent behavior, Buffy is tasked with running parent-teacher night by Principal Snyder along with another troubled student named Sheila, and whoever screws up more is going to get expelled. One. One. Meanwhile, 
a really handsome, beloved figure that couldn't possibly be a bad guy because he's so cool, but maybe is actually a horrible, murderous vampire named Spike rolls into town with his lover, Drusilla, and they're deciding to team up with the Anointed One and promise that they will kill the Slayer for him. Two. He's very much a bad guy. I feel like he just, like, is the quintessential bad guy. Right. Um... (laughs) Parent-teacher night is in full swing. Buffy's got the banner painted. The lemonade is probably good. But Spike decided to jump the gun and rather than waiting for the Feast of St. Vigius, attacks the school at parent-teacher night. Three. In a horrible situation that's sort of like a hostage type thing maybe in a movie like a movie called Die Hard but it's actually a TV show called School Hard Buffy gets everybody the parents the teachers the kids to safety while fighting Spike who has a past relationship with Angel because they were cohorts back in the day four? I think so yeah Buffy saves the day um Spike throws the anointed one into a cage and roasts him on, and sends him up into the sun and says that, no, you're out of here, man. Now cool kids are running the show. And, you know, Buffy's mom finally says, you know what, Buffy, you can handle yourself in a crisis. You were the one that was running the show. And you know what? Only two people died. And that wasn't your fault. She actually doesn't say that, but... (laughs) It, it works out. Six. It works out. <laughs> Joy Summers is a woman who knows how to moisturize. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic job, Chris. Thanks. We're all caught up. <laughs> so let's just talk about the man in the hour. Spike. Oh my god. I love Spike. Like You say he's not your favorite character of all time. He's probably mine for everything. Like, I did a project on him in eighth grade because of that. No, what I was feel the like, focus I feel of like the project? My, my Spike love isn't strong I can't strong enough. reveal that because it's spoilers for future seasons. Ah. Um, but it related to Greek mythology. Oh, I that's like. cool. Interesting. Yeah. Do you still have, like, was there a diorama? There was a poster board? There was a poster and a paper on it. And uh, I remember, because I argued with my teacher, she gave me a 98 on one of them. And I argued until she gave me a 99. Ooh, she didn't give that 100. Were you arguing she, for a 99 went, or for a 100? Well, she went, well, it's not perfect, so it doesn't deserve a 100. I'm like, yeah, but it deserves more than a 98. So she gave me the 99. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Just like James Marsters is only 99% perfect because he has that weird, crazy scar on his eyebrow, which I believe he got in a mugging accident. He, yeah, he was yeah. mugged. A mugging accident? Yeah, uh, he got mugged and like... <laughs> this the is the guy, mugging. <laughs> the guy had a ring on or something and punched him. Jeez. Yeah, Oof. and that's how he got the scar. That's so cool. Why does that make him less perfect? That makes him like ten okay, times Okay, first of all, it's not, co- it's not an accident and it's not cool <laughs> that he got mugged. <laughs> <laughs> no, people like purposely shave their eyebrows so it looks like that. And yeah. His eyebrow tall. scar is a lot cooler than my eyebrow scar, so yeah very small there i got that oh i do see your eyebrow slide and he got his while getting punched and getting mugged was it the cement slide um it was when i was like two okay yeah i flew off and hit a wall okay there's cement slides where we grew up ouch yeah so wow hit a wall yeah man 
So you know what did not hit a wall was this episode because it really picks up and takes the series to a new level. I need to know why there was a wall near a slide. The slide was indoors. I don't know why. And there it were no, ends at there a no wall. It's just kind of one of those like engineering whoopsies. Yeah. It's the 90s, guys. There wasn't a lot of safety. Yeah. It was like slides that ended in walls and gack. Was like... <laughs> Uh, my friend Ben was in a Gax Splat ad as a child. Wow. Uh, but anywho, what I like about this episode is I feel like it's almost the... It's almost like the first really Buffy, Buffy episode. Because Spike and Drew are so awesome, and I feel like they are honestly the first great vampire characters in the entire series. Because yeah. up to this point, Angel is a great character in theory, but he's not super enjoyable up to this point. They're the first active vampire characters we're really getting Exactly. At. Everyone's either a slave to ritual, or is trapped in a bubble, or is a slave to a ritual trapped in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is still great, because we get to focus more on our human characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the first guy that's sort of like, having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's having fun with it. And he's and he's in love. It's like they're the most they're mo- the most relatable vampires because they're the most human vampires because Spike really cares for Drusilla. And it's yeah, it's just how easy he already is in this character. It's like some of them you feel kind of getting into their skin with the character. Like I feel like Nicholas Brendan as you're watching him, it's like he's starting to find Xander right now. Giles is pretty much Giles from the get-go, Buffy as well, Willow as well, but I feel like Angel, it takes him a little bit to become Angel, yeah. but James Marsters just enter, from that moment that he runs over that sign, Spike is 100% Spike. In that awesome black DeSoto. Oh. Yeah. That car. Oh. oh man, Spike. So cool. So cool. Um, well, that's the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> um... What does he pose as a as what what does he change? Like what do what do Spike and Drusilla change? Well, you know, a lot of people hate season one of Buffy and mm-hmm. getting into it. And I feel like with season one, you have classic vampire. We have rituals, we have these things that we have to go by. There's all this they're kind of reserved characters almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the master's locked up in a cave, you know, from the get go he's the evil one, but you never get real interaction with him till the very end. Right. With Spike and Drusilla, it's we're done with ritual. Um, F the ritual. Mm-hmm. No. I'm here, I'm evil, I want to kill something, and let's just go straight for the slayer and uh try and offer. I mean we have a character who's nicknamed after uh Railroad uh, spikes. Yeah. yeah. Kill people. A torture method. Yeah. Bloody like, railroad spikes. That's nuts. Like, everyone else is like, they're, I don't even know if we get a lot of vampire names. They're usually just vampire. We got well, Master, you, we got Angel. Yeah, you get a name. Those if are like Doctor important. Who names. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Master for sure. But Darla, <laughs> at least. Oh, that's true. Darla had a name. Darla was Darla when she was, before she was, no, she was, he named her, the Master named her. So, okay. What about Drew? Drew was named. Drusilla. I feel uh, like Drusilla was Drusilla, Drusilla. before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And then That's Spike cool. was Family William. Name. Family we don't know that yet, do we? We know know that he's William. Yeah, William. Oh, yeah, they said it. They yeah, said it. They did yeah. Say we don't know where that nickname came from yet. Yeah, we though. do. They said that. Oh, the, no, that we know one. where Spike okay, came from. Okay, we know where Spike from. came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this is like, in, so we're transitioning from the old, almost like H.P. Lovecraft legend if you will, into a more contemporary 
like active like it's no longer like these like seemingly like eastern european mm -hmm. they've been alive for like hundreds of years guys this is like even though spike has been around for you know well, a, a while entrance that it's... scene where it's like uh, it'll be the worst thing since the crucifixion or whatever yeah i should know i was there and then spike comes in and he's like you were there you're a liar but you know could be like woodstock that was you're funny. right yeah. yeah it's totally like pulling away from that like yeah. hey that's not we don't give any clout to that anymore yeah. we give clout to like badassery He's, yeah, Woodstock. he's yeah. very much the young, cool vampire comes in. And even when they're commenting on his age, they're like, oh, he's barely 200. He's younger than Angel. Like, he's the cool, young vampire that comes in and, like, mm -hmm. just makes vampirism super And in such a and... small lifetime for a vampire, he's already created so much, uh, so much behind his name. Oh, you yeah. know, like, people react when they find out there's Spike. Spike actively works to build his own legend. It's like he has two cool names in his history. He's got two slayers. It's like in terms of like our first introduction of him in terms of like basically his PR. Like he's a scary right, his <laughs> CAA representation. He's a scary vampire. Yeah. He gives off a good impression the way he carries himself. It's like it's a reason that the anointed one is immediately like this guy's cool. I trust yeah. this guy. I'm going to let him kind of run the show. And then I think he follows through in the sense that it's like, and then in the end when he's like, you screwed this up. And he's like, I did, but so what? Yeah. If you think I screwed this up, I don't care. I'm going to kill you. We're going to have a little bit less ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Which is basically summarizing what's going to be Whoa. happening. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. This made me think of a question, the crucifixion bit, is so... In Buffy lore, we've been going on for eons. Eons goes before the actual <laughs> oh, no. time Let's of Christ. Let's not go Christ. back to eons. <laughs> yeah. If we go before the time of Christ, it's like, was the cross a deadly figure to vampires only through the crucifixion? And was it Whoa. that the cross uh, became... Pro I would assume so, because if we, if we go into like semiotics and like giving meaning to objects, I don't think the cross on its own without any sort of... Um, religious power behind it, um, or like it would have just been a crucifixion. Yeah, I mean, it would have Re just representation been... of crucifixion, right? Well, there's a lowercase uh, legend about why that happened. And it's like the blood of Christ after the cross is what made the first vampire. Oh, um, really? Which is why it has all those Christian uh, references and why the cross hurts them. Yeah. Whoa. Made the first vampire? Yeah, like. What is that from? Um. European mythology. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ted down the street. Down on, down on La Brea. Yeah, you know, that's what I ran into before I got here. Yeah. I was just talking about vampires and you told me this. You know, Jesus made the first vampire, man. Oh, dude, I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's great. Um, so, oh, um, so Spike, cool, cool guy. Yeah. Let's put Spike on ice for a second. Okay. Let's come back to Spike. Let's talk about Buffy, because she's going, this is, uh, the, the last few acts of this episode are really intense and very actionist, and we get to play in that superhero, like, her being Bruce Willis, diehard, but everything building up to that is really interesting, because she's just being steamrolled by authority figures. Yeah. And the idea of those two worlds colliding, because we've seen so much of Joyce in season one being like, 
I, we don't want to move again. Like, we're, you burn down a thing. I just don't know about your friends. Mm-hmm. You stay out late at night. And then we also see Snyder all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And then having those two meet, a lawful good character of Joyce and a lawful evil character of Snyder, to tie everything in. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen when they butt heads. And it's funny because like, I feel like when I first watched it, and even when I watched it again, I always expect the interaction between Joyce and Snyder to like walk out and then Joyce is like, I talked to your principal. Sounds like you're doing all right. Because that's what I want it to be, but it's not. No. Snyder's a really evil guy. You live in a world of sunshine and rainbows yeah. and puppies. And it never rains. <laughs> it's just always hot. But even just like this guy's speaking, always just crying with laughter. <laughs> speaking from like personal experience, it's always really great. Like I've had very few negative experiences with teachers, but like I have had some, and it's one of those things where like. Sometimes you know you're in the right, but because they are an adult and an authority figure, like, you're instantaneously wrong. Um, So I remember I had this, like, one really bad experience in high school, and, like, I had to kind of, like, explain it to my mom. And, like, but just the fact of, like, having a parent be on your side, um, like, against a teacher or, like, any sort of authority figure, like, knowing that, like, you're in the right and they were in the wrong is one of the most, like justifying like feelings because just because someone's in a position mm-hmm. of authority they can abuse that right um, and that's what i really loved about this episode is that joyce is a mom who like understands when someone who is supposed to be like higher up and is supposed to be in the right maybe isn't yeah and mm-hmm. she saw it in yeah. action yeah mm-hmm. so that was a really nice moment snyder's they're just students what do they know moment yeah, yeah. it really tells you how he he just says it and he gets that guy killed yeah, and he doesn't feel bad about it and really takes doesn't he, flinch. Was, he was like, I told him not to go through the window. I love that. Like, I love that mm. bit. Because he only says it to that... Yeah. Um, the cop, and, yeah. And that guy is the high talker from Seinfeld. No. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that could be a combined universe. <laughs> it could totally work. Uh, he couldn't handle Sunnydale, so he just went to New York City, but his voice went Too up high? a few bunch yeah. of octaves. But yeah, so I love that bit, though, at the end, because then it's... Is this the first time that in the show we see that authority, that like the police authorities are actively covering up vampirism? I think I, well, in uh, Once More With Feeling, I guess it's not police, but they're covering up. Once More With Feeling? I mean, not. <laughs> wow. It's all right. We're still okay in non small territory. That's just a title. Um, out of mind, out of sight. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's the, there's the... oh the FBI is just like, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll have... Wow. Is this the first time we see that Snyder knows what's going on? I think it is. I think it's the first time. He teased a little bit where he talked about, like, how the old principal got eaten, right? Right, so he knew that. He's aware of things crazy happening. But this is where we see him say the lie of them being a gang on PCP, and we don't Mm -hmm. find out till the end that he knew it was a lie. Yeah, where he's like, what would you, he's like, what should we say, the truth? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's the first time that we're like, okay. That's actually a huge reveal. That's a huge reveal. It's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I love my conspiracies. We know you do, Holland. Yeah. <laughs> do you like the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? I've never seen that movie. What? It's right down your alleyway. You've got a, okay. Mel- you a lot of Mel-, Mel Gibson movies to catch up on. Haven't seen any of the Mad Max. I haven't watched yeah. like any Mel Gibson movie other than Braveheart. What women want. Yeah. <laughs> I try Not to Mel avoid Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah, that might be the only Mel Gibson movie I've seen all the way through. Really? Well, I don't even know if I've seen that movie all the way through. 
Helen oh, wait, no, the Patriot. Is he in the Patriot? Oh, yeah. yeah he's I saw that he's one. The I had to watch that one. <laughs> he melts down his little boy's soldiers, <laughs> uses the bullet, mm. and misses. Okay, uh, yeah. So, I'm sorry, that was, uh, ignore what I just said, if you haven't seen the Patriot. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's really, yeah, so the idea of Buffy's really struggling, it's kind of like what O'Brien said to, I can't do that, what Chris said two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago, if you're including this as a week, about the idea that, like, she struggles more with the human stuff than with the Slayer stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Slayer stuff she's born into, because I feel like a lot of stories that cover this material... And, like, cover the idea of, like, you're fated to be something. People are always struggling with, like, one minor issue. Like, my dad doesn't come to my baseball games. But then they're really trying to figure out, like, how can I be, like, a karate master of something? Whereas Buffy is like, pretty much got the slaying down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's one or two things she could probably improve on. But, like, that's her, like, forte. Like, that's what she's here to do. And that scene with her and Spike, when she's like, do we really need weapons for this? That is... It's so cool. such a good moment. The chemistry... Like, that performance is so great. And I think that they gave Buffy a villain for Buffy to play with. Mm -hmm. Because I think Buffy, on one level, enjoys being the Slayer. I think in the grander scheme of things, she wants to be normal. But I think there's individual moments where she gets to be a hero and a sassy hero and do it her way she loves. And Spike is the foil to that, where he gets to do terrible things... But it's not under the guise of a ritual. Or he doesn't wait. He enjoys. He, loves it. he makes a game out of it. Yeah, yeah. Spike. Yeah, he he's so not to not to just immediately take him off ice. But I remember it's <laughs> like the when I wasn't watching Buffy back when it was like on TV in the early years. But I was someone who watched TV and knew it was a thing and knew it was there because I really didn't come into it till season six and then I caught up on everything like while wow, season six was happening. But um, I, to me, Spike was Buffy's villain. It was like I knew about it. My sister watched uh-huh. the show. And it was like, okay, I know that Buffy, she fights vampires. And I know that her enemy is this blonde guy. So it's like he had probably, to me, more than any of the rest of the show, he, had, he has this iconic presence that just rings through that people who aren't even really aware of the details of the series, they mm-hmm. know that Spike is a character. Which is so great for a character who wasn't supposed to make it past a few episodes. Yeah, what's with that? I always what's love... What's the story behind that? To hear that, I guess, because he was just so great. Because you always hear that with shows. It's like, oh, this character was supposed to die, but they kept them on. And like usually when that happens, you're like, oh, they probably should have just killed them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think but they needed Spike. to be added to the cast. But with Spike, I'm just like, I could not imagine this without him. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. He just does such a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're back. We're let's just jump in the ice bucket back again. With like him and 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 uh, and like him and Drusilla just have this amazing, like iconic relationship. Like that look where like you know like the part where she does like the blood smear on his yeah. cheek. Yeah, and then like their heads and they tilt and it's like this is where we're starting to get into territory where it's like it's so funny because like season one. While I love season one. It's it's definitely the thing that fans don't rejoice in as much, mm-hmm. but we as a Sunnydale study group have mostly been living in season one, and we've been picking season one apart so much that it's like we love, I think I love season one even more now. Right. So now as we're entering the years where I'm like, oh, that shot where Spike and Drusilla pop their heads together and then turn their head, ah, that's been my desktop background many times. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting into territory of like, Oh, right. We're about to get into the parts of the series that, like, 
I'm dangerously obsessed with and I forgot how like much I just want to like scream when stuff like that happens. You know? Moments like that are just so cinematic in the TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's just so like that look, it just communicates something huge. Like that relationship is like they've got they're like they it's just a two against the world sort of thing. I'd say it's the I mean, even in this one episode, it is the best love story that we've seen so far in the whole show. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, because they're the only two characters that really, truly, clearly care for each other. Because like, uh, like vampires up until now have just been like a rowdy bunch. Like it's usually it's just been like almost like they're like sort of like slightly inept, like a motorcycle gang has come into Sunnydale. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating even when they come in. Like, whenever it's, like, a vampire scene, there's no, like, there's probably not even a single scene where the master comes in where you're like, oh, great, this classic scene with the master. Yeah. (laughs) This classic scene with the master. This is going to be good. It's, like, even, like, maybe Darla, but Darla is, you know, Darla mostly works to serve Angel, and she mostly works in this... I mean, to, not to serve Angel, but to, like, serve the Angel storyline. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is the first time that it's like, wow, in a show about vampires, we actually are excited when it cuts to that part of the story now. And also, Drusilla is just so great, because she's so weird and yeah. awesome. Like, Can she's... we talk about the difference between the two of them? Yeah. Spike and Drew? Oh, yeah. So Spike's yeah. got all those hard lines, and is very clearly, like, that evil, violence love a violence character mm. and then you have drew who's very looks innocent she comes in in a white dress yeah. when she's mm-hmm. very like she's like waifish and she's very just kind of like fragile and like she is a she's very childish but she's so creepy yes mm-hmm. it's oh it I makes her creepier her doll collection is it miss edith that's miss getting edith is the one who's punished and gets turned around yeah i don't think we ever learn any other doll names is really that that's the only one i'm sure that um let's go with um Clinette. Clinette. Yeah, Clinette got yeah. to watch. Wait, why was Miss Edith being punished? She didn't finish her dinner or like... She probably fell over. I don't, I don't know why Drew is like, well, Miss Edith, you don't get to watch me kill this person. <laughs> you think about what you did. She's like a, such an interesting distillation of like different like horror tropes that I would love to see more often. She's like, like the... Like the the exorcist, the, the the or the possessed, youthful innocent. But she's like in like I, it's such a specific character mm-hmm. and such specific choices. Like I feel like Buffy and Spike. It's I still feel safe about it. Mm-hmm. Like those characters, I'm like, but they're in control for the most part, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of aware of the effect they have on other people. Whereas Drusella is like this like. Uh, Sort of what, like, like a, almost like a Scarlet Witch. Like, there's something, like, too much of her that she's not even in full control of mm-hmm. it. And that's such a crazy role to create and to play with in a show where people are kind of coming into their own and learning about, like, their personalities and seeing what works and what doesn't. And Drew just doesn't fit into that schema at all. Like, mm-hmm. even Spike is kind of within the ecosystem mm-hmm. whereas drew's just like drew's like a nintendog that just jumps on the screen while you're playing smash brothers and you're like what is this and it just never you know you're just like i can't i can't function uh-huh. <laughs> though that pan over when they look at their room in the lair wherever it is it's mm-hmm. a warehouse right mm-hmm. but yeah you see that they have a tv oh yeah, yeah. That tv wasn't there before it's Spikes yeah, they brought in. And then they have all the dolls for Drusilla. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's what was in the trunk. 
when Spike he, knocks it over. He, he carries, carries the, TV the TV and the dolls. And that's what the game yeah, because his last night's like, let's go see what's on the telly. <laughs> that's also like the weirdest, like, like real world vampire type situation. Just like, oh, we're moving in. It's like, oh, great. More people. Like, there's so many. Like, <laughs> that's such a random assortment of people just like living in that like huge <laughs> warehouse. Like. It's gotta be a really awkward like rooming situation. I just want to think like basic like things like oh who's gonna go buy toilet paper? No, all right, great. Well, Thanks, I don't guys. really think that vampires require it. <laughs> toilet paper? Yeah. Oh, How they teach houses? Actually. Um, <laughs> they they don't do that. What? <laughs> common common misconception. Not very vampires. good villains in my opinion. No, no. They they have to have some self respect. You know, they're vampires. I guess so. They're no offense to people hydrated. who TP. Houses. I'm having all these thoughts about vampires. They don't. Now. They, they don't. Dead. They're, they're dead. corpses. That's true. They drink blood. That's totally no, true. No, but you the still have to. Blood has water in it, so they can absorb it. It does have that. water. Sure. That's true. They do that. But like, okay, so they, I guess they drink blood, but it's called eating. But like, I eat food, I still drink water. But you don't use your teeth to drink water. Yeah, it's a combination. No. Yeah, they eat when it says eat something. Maybe they it's separate like, like the plasma from the. Um, oh, that kind of makes sense. Cells. They have like a, a centrifugal machine. We don't know their, uh, <laughs> their veins are repurposed. Mm-hmm. Just vampire. They just clean it out. We need to study vampire biology more as a society. I'm maybe yeah. writing something about that, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm so curious, Spoiler man. alert. Yeah. I'm really curious about vampire biology. I feel like there's never been any sort of vampire mythology that's gone into that, has there? Not really. What? Science yeah. and vampires? Oh my god. Which is what I like. I like when it's science and vampires and actually does <laughs> things like that? that. What about a TV show where it's scientists that are vampires and they're just like, hey, we need to stay up all night to like do these lab results. And the vampire's like, that will not be a problem. <laughs> it's called Dr. Pyre. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which spelled Dr. Pyre because it's Dr. Pyre. That'll not. Uh, he's got like sunglasses and like a. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Not even the original CSI. He's got a little Hulu girl um, like on his dash with like little vampire teeth. Oh my goodness. A little um, blood at the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to also call attention. It kind of goes back to something I said in the last episode. I won't dwell on it for too long because there's not much to dwell on it with. But this is the episode where I would say, especially Cordelia, or officially Cordelia is part of the gang now. Last episode, it's like she's in danger, and it's very clear that she turns to Buffy no matter what in times of danger, and like kind of realizes that the Scooby gang are the people that she actually respects at the school because they're dealing with something really intense. This is the one where she's whittling steaks, she's hanging out with the gang, she's still sassy Cordelia, but it's like Cordelia is no longer hanging out with Harmony and anyone else. She hangs out with Xander Willow and Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. She's part of the she's part of the gang. She's part of the crew. And I, she's an accepted part of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And she's good at making steaks. She's yeah. good at it. Yeah, because I mean she's been because from their perspective, it's like, yeah, they have all this built up negativity towards Cordelia because of who she's been to them in their lives, but they've all been through enough trauma together at this point that I feel like there's just kind of this unspoken bond that even if they're rude and dismissive to her, that they do really care about her now because she has you know, she drove the car through the school that one time with them. She's been hung up by her feet with them in the middle of, mm-hmm. like, the master's lair. They've hung out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They've hung out. 
Uh, I forget which essay it is in um, Fear and Trembling, one of the the collection of like um, philosophical and psychological conversations about Buffy, but it one of them touches on pluralism and it's talking about how it's a group of friends is not people who share the same worldview. A group of friends are people who s- share the world from their point of view with uh, their friends. And I like that even though they're not all like on the same page with Cordy, they're like, well, clearly you're in the gang. Yeah. Like, well, we're totally going to butt heads. We're totally going to have issues. But you're, you're definitely in the gang. Mm. It, we would be weird not to have you in. Yeah. I agree. So I feel like at this point, we're really building out like this Buffy verse. Like, this is like mm-hmm. the tone that the show is really taking on. Um, like, also, the responsibility here of this not just being like, uh, Lois gets in trouble, Superman flies in, saves her. Next episode, Lois gets in trouble, Superman flies in. Like, really, we can... It's an open playground where the climax of this doesn't end with Buffy beating Spike. It's it's, it's her mom. Yeah, it's with Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> Joyce swoops in. Joyce takes care of business. You know, different people are getting involved. The idea of, like, sticking to these archetypes and limiting ourselves is really not something that we have to worry about. <laughs> well, that must have sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> and you know who's kind of a hidden hero of this episode is that axe. Yeah, um, that axe makes the rounds. Spike smashes it open, and he and and Spike thinks that that axe is going to be on his side, but no, the axe falls into the side of good, and the axe is the thing that really, uh, really ties it together. And it was handed down from. I was reading in the trivia. It was handed down from Gimli. Yes. Uh, yeah. Son of Glorian. Yes. Yeah. Of course. See, that's what I like about the axe. It represents all the characters. They're getting so much more complex. So even though it was evil first, it can be good later. Mm -hmm. You're not stuck. You're not pigeonholed. No. Yeah, exactly. The axe can be anything you axe it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Xander Angel, I wanted to bring up a little bit. So it's like there's been a Xander Angel, like, tension bubbling ever since the uh since Buffy dances with him in the premiere mm-hmm. and then in the uh the last episode some assembly required uh Angel brings up so you're hanging out with Xander uh so what's interesting about that is like Xander is such a non-threat but Angel is just so out of touch that he perceives Xander to kind of be a major threat mm-hmm. and these are two characters that are constantly going to butt heads and I I feel like this episode is sort of it's it's reaching a like a tipping point in terms of the tension of the past few episodes where that where Angel kind of just like gruffly brings him in and is willing to like if Spike bit him he was fine to let that happen um but and and also kind of Xander having to accept like where Giles is like get out of here go find Angel he can help us and him being like man I don't want to <laughs> Uh, but then, he, <laughs> but then he realizes that he has to because Angel is more of a player than Xander is. Do you ever wonder where he found Angel? Oh yeah, he was just lurking. <laughs> Does Angel like, have a bat signal? Basically, since <laughs> it, like they establish that Angel just like shows up at random, so I feel like they can just get away with just like throwing Angel into a scene. They're like, oh, how do you get there? And it's like, oh, uh, you know, I mean, he just shows up. Like that's what he does. You're just kind of there. So I know, checking on parent-teacher night, seeing if yeah. Buffy pulled it off, did you a good know. job mm. He's concerned. That's what. That's the answer I accept. The Ricola horn. That's what I'm gonna go with. Ricola. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't pay for the rights, but they just got the Ricola guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a new intro. 
Holland, I saw in your notes that you said something about IT crowd. I oh, I, okay, it. because I just, <laughs> I very much feel like Noel Fielding's um, character on IT crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, what is his name? Um, the vampire. R- the R- R- starts with an R. Richmond. 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 Oh, he's um, out. The door's open. He's, he's out. I just feel like his vampire is very much inspired by Drusilla. Like, there was a moment, like, when you first meet Drusilla, and she just kind of, like, looks off into the distance. And I was like, oh, that's just a Richmond look. And then I just realized that whole kind of, like, trope of that, like, weirdly kind of, like, distant, like, vampire. I just feel like Richmond is basically Drusilla. I don't know. That's amazing. And they're very similar types of vampires. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah. Was, that was my thought. And I know I wrote it down. This is going to connect perfectly with our IT crowd podcast. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> don't just say things like that. We can title it off and on again. Uh. <laughs> you know who we haven't talked about a lot yet? Sheila. Sheila. Sheila the real hero of the story. Sheila she gets away scot-free. Oh yeah, no. Sheila is still out there wandering Sunnydale wandering the sewers of Sunnydale are you are we concerned about this um kind of she seems to be like an actual delinquent and like doesn't have any excuses like oh no she's actually a slayer that's why she keeps getting in trouble she's like oh no she's just like a bad kid and started smoking in the fifth grade yeah we have the two worst kids in the school and one of them is a slayer who skips school because she has to go fight the forces of evil and the other one like sharp pointy things and stabbed a teacher yeah <laughs> and is now a vampire yeah and where did she get dates what? a guy named meat pie meat pie. pie meat pie uh is that guy just like a spin-off of meatloaf like what I was just, the deal he, just, there? he doesn't look like a meat pie that's why i was confused like weird casting How'd he earned that nickname i don't know hmm. Maybe one day he was eating a meat pie and it just kind of stuck. Maybe he cooks people into meat pies. Whoa. Oh, he's like a Sweeney Todd of Sunnydale. Well, Sweeney Todd doesn't do that. That's um, Mrs. Mrs. Lovett. Mrs. Lovett. He's like the Mrs. Lovett of Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> does that make Sheila Sweeney Todd? Ooh, yeah. She's yeah. the stabber. Ooh. Whoa. Ooh, if JP is listening to this, and I know he is. I'm proud of what to do. But I'll suggest it. I, well, okay. I would suggest a Sheila take a bow then. Okay. That's suggestion number one. <laughs> suggestion number two is a Sweeney Todd type thing with Sheila as Sweeney Todd and Meat Pie as Mrs. Lovett. Oh, wait. Yes. Yep. Uh, I just would, an idea. Uh, I just want to plant this seed. I want Meat Pie to be driving the spice bus. <laughs> <laughs> From Dune? <laughs> yeah, from Dune. Oh. <laughs> what seeds are you planting? Um, I want to just open this up to everybody. If you have any information on why the teachers kept leaving classrooms right before Joyce got there, I would love to know how did Buffy organize that? Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of the plan. Like, her avoiding Snyder makes sense. I think it was Willow, because Willow would be... Organized enough to know when the teachers would be done in their classrooms, and she was the one leading Joyce around. Mm -hmm. She'd be like, Oh, well, the French teacher's gonna be out first. Okay, let's go there. Oh, okay, they're gonna be gone now. So, yeah. That just reminded me, but not directly. Willow's so great. Um, The lemonade that Buffy makes, which is just (laughs) lemons, right? Isn't that. (laughs) Lemon juice. Isn't lemons like a way to kill vampires? 
like in old lore. Yeah, you right? put a lemon in their mouth to make sure they wouldn't rise again. So why oh. did we just put that gun on the wall and never set it off in the third act? <laughs> Sitting right there. Yeah. A that punch be... bowl of death for vampires. <laughs> that would be well, really funny, established though. In the I feel like that must have, maybe that would have taken way too much explaining. But if you had that scene where the character <laughs> just threw the lemonade out. <laughs> I don't think it would kill them because they've so already risen. Like, what? I'd rather them just get wet from it and like have their eyes sting, but not. Regardless, <laughs> yeah. any of us, if we got special lemon juice, <laughs> it would be there would be something unpleasant about it. Also, I how did, yeah. I, how does she do that so fast? Did she just squeeze all of those lemons. She has Slayer strength. Yeah. Oh, she could. My yeah, guess she totally is that could. she just got lemon juice. Or like some kind of lemonade mix. No, because lemonade mix has sugar Sugar in it. She says she made it fresh and everything. This isn't like a margarita situation. You know what? I think she hand squeezed the lemons. Yeah. Which, yes. I'd drink it. No, you wouldn't because it's just... I would probably drink straight (laughs) lemon juice. I love lemons. Yeah. I would, but I wouldn't be able to have a lot. Are you people? (laughs) Humans? Humans, patriotic humans that love our lemons. I eat lemon meringue pie instead of birthday cake for my birthday. Lemon meringue pie is great. Okay, you know what? It's like my little sister would. Is it my little sister or is it? (laughs) Whoa! Who are you people? (laughs) Your little, your little pony. I can't remember. This is a memory of my sister. Rainbow Dash. Was it Rainbow Dash? It's either my sister or someone else's sister who just straight up eats lemons. I feel like it's my sister. I eat lemons at times. But just like eats lemons like they're orange. Gotta get rid of that scurvy. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, it was a show that was on television that starred famous actors such as Do Seth Green. Do you eat lemons? <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Seth Green hasn't showed up yet. Oh, I mean, who knows? I mean, directed by somewhat famous television director Bruce Seth Green, whose name pops up all the time. I think you directed the episode before this. Oh, uh, this he... one, this one was written by David Greenwald, who is a major player in the Joss Whedon uh, All Stars lineup. Uh, and David Greenwald, what's interesting about him, beyond the fact that he is someone who from early Buffy through late Angel was just always at Joss's side, or at least in the mix, uh, he wrote the first episode that Angel ever appeared on, and he wrote the first one that Spike appeared on. So he's had a very major shaping uh, presence in the mythology of our most important vampires. How very historical of you, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our warning bell, which means we are about to wrap up. But before we leave, we have an extracurricular activity. What that means is we are going to make up something on the spot right here, inspired by the episode. It could be a local commercial. It could be a song. It could be a rap. It could be a jingle. Anything that Holland Farkas chooses. So, Holland, what are we doing this week? I think this week, in honor of um, our diehard themed episode school hard um i would like you guys to come up with your own parody of some popular um part of pop culture that is buffy themed okay yes so each pitch one you can each pitch one if you want or if you can come up with one as in like not like each person says a sentence but if by some miracle, you can start pitching something in the next person on the following, and you're just kind of like pitching around. Oh, okay. And that is Three-headed cool. pitch? Three-headed pitch? Three-headed pitch. In a world where sand rules everything, 
and all heroes have faded into the distance. One piece of metal attached to wood stands alone. He is known as Mad Axe. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> I'd buy that. I don't. I think that anything on top of it is just more icing on an already icing heavy cake. That was flawless, dare I say. <laughs> And that is our closing bell, which means it's time to start wrapping up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This was episode three of season two, School Hard. And Ilya, thank you for joining us for this episode where we get to meet Spike. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Best episode ever. Go watch it. If you haven't already, and yeah, just put it on a loop. Play it over and over again when he drives through that sign. Yeah, just keep rewinding. That's the life. (laughs) Where can they find stuff that you've written? Uh, they can find stuff I've written on nerdybutflirty.com, primarily, uh, and in a book soon, and random things on the Whoa. internet. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. That's breaking news. Chris, where can <laughs> they find you? Hi, I'm Chris Bramanti, Amontiak on Twitter and Instagram, uh, with Robot Teammate in the Accidental Party, performing across Los Angeles, and uh, YouTube, and I'm fantastic. Holland, where can they find you? I'm Holland Farkas. You can find me on Twitter at Holland Farkas. Same with Facebook, Instagram at Farkland. You can find my articles up on geekandcentry.com. Also, I have one to two things, depending on when this comes out, on Femsplain and my YouTube channel, Telltale Heart XO. Telltale Heart XO. Credit card number. Credit card number is social. Well, if you're Domino's, I won't give you. I just had so much pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's the backstory of this episode. Helen is full of pizza. I'm in yeah. like a pizza coma. <laughs> oh, what about you? You can always find me at youtube.com slash 2 geeks or on Twitter at number 2 geeks. You can find anything Sunnydale City Group related at, at whoop, SSG Podcast on Twitter. Again, it's at SSG Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sunnydale Study Group. We're also on Instagram. And we have a homework assignment for you. If you could reenact any scene from any movie, what scene would it be? Go ahead and let us know on Twitter and Facebook. And why. <laughs> and also why. The social network why. You can find all of Ilea's stuff. Uh, follow her on Green Eyed Trombonist. Or at Green Eye T Bone on Twitter. There it is. Green Eye Trombonist was too long for them. Oh, that makes sense. It's pretty long. It is long. Thank you guys again so much. We will see you next week. We will be discussing another amazing episode. It'll definitely, we'll be wrapping it up. <laughs> Little mummy joke. Uh, <laughs> all right, back up your bags, back up your books. We'll see you next week.
Yeah. That was a wonderful delivery. I don't have uh, anything to add on to that. I can't even do that Because the so. rest we would have would just be visuals. <laughs> right. Like explosions, mm-hmm. like fire tornadoes. <laughs> At some point, the axe might be wearing a cloak and it will be billowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 At some point, there's a guy... That guy in Fury Road with the flame guitars playing the bronze. <laughs> it's just Doof? like Doof? Is that his name? Doof? Is that his name? Doof? I didn't is the Doof follow Warrior? it up. Isn't that how that is? I didn't read enough about it. I just I just knew a heavy metal guy that just rolls with the crew. <laughs> and there's a pair there's a pair of uh, oh what did Sheila have? The scissors that she had? The shears? Oh yes. yeah. And it's pruning one of the shears. pruning shears and one of them's missing like a little like handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, great great work team thanks I think we did a lot how do you feel about that Holland uh, that was a pitch 